Take your Bibles in your hand. Come on, this is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and I believe it. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do, and I am who it says I am. I'm accepted in the Beloved. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm a chosen generation. I'm destined to reign in Christ, empowered to make a difference, and forgiven of all my sin. If you believe that, shout amen. Well, we're going to finish tonight the deadly D's. And we've been talking about uh, looking actually at Old Testament characters and how they achieved the destiny God had for them. And we looked at Joseph and how Joseph had a dream. And we looked at how he brought that dream to pass. And then we uh, jumped off that and we've been looking at six deadly D's, six things we need to be aware of that can cause us to forfeit our destiny and get us off track to where God wants to take us. Now, being a good teacher, uh, we're going to review. So hopefully you've been taking notes, you've been paying attention. And so these aren't rhetorical questions. These are real questions. I want your feedback. Are you ready? The first deadly D D is? Thank you. Very good. Yeah, and it's okay. It's an open book test, so you can bring out your notes. It's good. Yeah, so the first deadly D is what? Distractions. That's right. And remember, we looked at Hebrews chapter 12, and it says in verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. The Amplified Version says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Someone once said, the only reason people fail is because of broken focus. And so, marriages, businesses, churches, your physical health, the things in your, your finances... All these things get off track when our focus is broken and we give heed to the distractions. Amen? So we got to beware of that first deadly D called distractions. And then remember we looked at 1 John 2. Open your Bible to that and we shared this last week and I also shared this verse on Sunday. This is one of the first verses I memorized as a teenager. Impacted my life. Helped me in my walk with God tremendously. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. How many know sometimes it, it shouldn't be, but sometimes it's hard to find even believers like that. Come on, talk to me. Someone, no one here, you're in church, right? I'm talking about those who skipped church tonight and went to the mall. Okay? But how many, <laughs> I'm joking. How many know what I'm talking? Sometimes it's hard to, to look at, and I don't mean it mean or, or rude or judgmental. But you know what? There ought to be a difference. If we, if we name the name of the Lord, how many know there ought to be a difference in how we live? We ought to live differently. Did I say we live perfectly? Absolutely not. But we ought to live differently. When we blow it, we repent quickly. Amen? We should, we should love differently. Our relationships should be different. How we handle our finances and what we give and support should be different. Uh, how... You know what, in all honesty, how we, how we treat our health should be different. You want to know why? We have a revelation that the world doesn't have. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you for that amen. Praise God, Pastor Preacher. You're telling the truth. You just messed, I just messed with your pizza tonight, didn't I? Huh? Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For all the world offers is a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements, achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But whoever does the will of God, whoever does what pleases God, that's what will last forever. And so we looked at four things that can potentially distract us. You remember the first one is people. People without purpose. People. Remember bad company corrupts good character. So you got to remember, listen, your life is the, your life is the average of the five people you consistently hang around. Your life is the average financially, health, marriage, walk with God. If you're, if you're in business, certain kind of, usually if you, you're in this kind of business, you hang around people that are in that business. So take the, the top five people you hang around. Your life will be the average of the five people you hang around. I know some of you are like, man, I need some new friends. Okay, listen, here's, here's what your revelation ought to be. You may need some new friends, and you may need to be a better friend. Amen? Be that person that increases the average of someone else. Amen? One of the reasons that the person that gave the testimony, they paid off $39,000 worth of debt in 18 months, is because Hector Laos was one of their friends. Teaches Financial Peace University. So what happened? Became the average. Picked that up. Caught that spirit. Applied that. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So people. Remember another one? Your past. Okay. Forgetting what lies behind. We got to what? Reach forward to what lies ahead. Listen. You're either going to be paralyzed by your past or focused on your future. You can't do both. You can't do both. You can't catch the waves if your feet are planted on the shore. Huh? You, you're not going to catch a wave if you're, all, if you're afraid to get wet. Come on, talk to me, someone. If you like the gritty sand in crevices where it doesn't belong, stay on the shore. Man, but if you want to sail the seven seas, huh? and you want to ride the waves, then you got to leave the shore. you got to leave the past and head out for your future. you got to reach. you got to reach for what God has in store for you. So listen. Listen, you, you, you got to let the divorce go. You got to let the pain, and, and, you, and, and, and we're not denying it. We're not denying the reality of it. We're deny, denying the pain of it. But you know what? You, you can't allow that to define you. Because I'm here to tell you, you can be whole again. You can be happy again. You can have a strong, healthy relationship again. It does not have to limit and define your life. And that's true whether it's divorce, whether it's a drug addiction, whether it's, it's a bankruptcy, whatever it is. You know what? you got to let the past go and reach forward to what God has for you. Amen? So people, your past, remember another one? Possessions. Yeah. So remember, God doesn't mind you having stuff. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He just doesn't want the stuff to have you. Amen? And the way we counteract that is we make sure we're givers. 
That's why we make a big deal about tithes and offerings. It keeps us from getting caught up in greed and the materialism of the culture. Amen? So, possession. Then the last distraction, you remember? Pride. And then one more. There was five, actually. Passions. Yeah, so you got to keep your passions. you got to keep your appetites under control. Amen? So, distractions was the first one. Number two. Division. Division. Remember we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3? And you know what? When we think about the top sins... A lot of times we think of adultery, we think of fornication, we think of drunkenness, we think of murder, we think of the big, the bad, and the ugly. But remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians 3, and Paul said, where there are divisions and strife and envy, he says, are you not acting carnal? And so Paul's definition of carnality was these people lacked unity. They couldn't get along. Sounds like the church, doesn't it? Huh? Come on, talk to me, someone. Huh? They couldn't get along. That was it. And listen, divisiveness, let me share, and this was so powerful, and I shared some things with it. I'm not going to go into uh, all the details, but listen, if you want to open the door to a bunch of junk in your life, how many want a bunch of junk in your life? Anyone? I'm going to tell you how right here. You want to open the door to a bunch of junk in your life? Be an agent of divisiveness. Because the Bible says where there's division, there's every evil work. So you want to open up the door to a bunch of junk in your life? Be divisive. And let me tell you right now, go ahead and open. Is this okay? Open your Bibles with me to James. And I'm going to hit this again because uh, we don't got it yet. Shelly is so right. You need to realize that anytime you open your mouth and say something hateful, do you realize that it always comes around? Do you realize that? Do you know you shouldn't talk trash about your pastor? You know you shouldn't talk trash about your pastor's wife? And if you do, you better be glad I'm saved and I don't punch you out. I say that in love. I'm going to lay hands on you rapidly and repeatedly. Listen. Division. Division. Look at James Chapter 3. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue, in comparison to the rest of the body, is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Now I believe he's not only talking about the whole body personally but the whole body, the local church. Because we are the body of Christ. And so what you thought was innocent and given your opinion on what you think about my wife Listen I'm going to let you know right now in case you haven't figured it out, we're different. Have you noticed? Okay, and I'm more of an outgoing kind of extrovert person. Now, Shelly, 
We've been married over 20 years. She used to be a lot quieter and a lot shyer than she is right now. Okay? And so the fact that she stands up here and opens up her mouth is a miracle from God from when I first met her and we got married. Actually, I say that some. She actually preached in the, in the youth service before we were ever dating. Okay? But we have different personalities. When you see me, see, when I go grocery shopping, it is an experience. I am pushing my cart down the way and my head is raised and I am looking, who do I know? Who can I see? Oh, I need pickles. Who, uh, what, uh, oh yeah, pass that. Better go back. It's an experience. When Shelly goes, Shelly is on a mission. Her eyes are down, usually focused on her list. It's so funny because I've wandered off and I've come back by and I've walked right beside her and she didn't even know I was there. <laughs> While she's on it, why? And I'm like, eh, quit that. You know, because she's like on the list and she's looking and she's intense. And, and so it's personality difference, okay? And so if you expect Shelly to be, hey, how you doing? That ain't ever going to happen. Now, she will ask you, hey, how you're doing? But you know what? I'm probably going to initiate more conversations than she will because of personality. Will you talk to me? How many of you are kind of that way too? You're more shy and introverted. Raise your hand. Just let me see your hand up high. Okay, how many have big, loud mouths like me? See, we're about half and half. Okay, all right? So you got to, listen, part, one of the things that causes division in the body of Christ is when we get judgmental because we fail to recognize the, and appreciate the differences in people's personality and temperaments that God's given them. Huh? And listen, for the first 10 years of our marriage, I tried to conform her into my image. Why aren't you more outgoing? Why, don't you, why aren't you louder? Why don't you talk more? It's funny, and early on in our marriage, she used to just quietly, gently place her hand on my arm, and she'd go, will you just please stop talking? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Okay? So there are differences. And so, listen, one of the meanest things you can do well, I think it's mean, Pastor Shelley. I, I, just, I, think, I think it's mean, Pastor Shelley doesn't talk more. You know what? I think it's mean you tell everyone else how mean you think she is that she doesn't talk more. I think that's meaner. Is this okay? Is this all right? Okay? And the reason we met, why are we, Pastor, why are you going over there? Because division. And if we want wholeness in the body of Christ, if we want wholeness in our church, then we got to grow up, church. We got, we're, we're beyond this. We're, we should be above this. This is kindergarten. There are people to be saved. There are disciples to be made. There are countries to be won. And we're nitpicking over the color of hair or the length of this. Well, I don't think you ought to have a tattoo. Well, I think you probably ought to get a tattoo and you'd look prettier. Not really. Huh? But it causes division. And you know what? I've shared this before. But you know what? We still fail to think. T-H-I-N-K. You remember what T stands for? Number one, you need to ask yourself before you open your big fat mouth. You need to ask yourself, is it true? And even if it is true, you got to pass the other four criteria. Letter H. Is it helpful? Is what is about to come out of your mouth, especially if it is about your pastors. Shame on you. 
to say anything that is not helpful. Uh, is it inspiring? Does your opinion on what you think she ought to be or what I ought to do, is that, does that inspire people? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Or are you just venting your opinion because I guess you're offended? And here's something you need to realize about offense. Okay? There are three types of offense. Number one, you have intentional offenses. You have people, remember intentional, ignorant, and idiots? You have people who are intentionally rude. Right? We've all met those people, right? And listen, here's something you need to realize. My wife and I, I'm not saying we're not ever rude, but we are never intentionally rude. If, if we are, call me on it. I'll be the first. She will be the first to take ownership and say, man, that was not intended. Please forgive us. Are you with me? So you have intentional. Okay. Then you have accidental. Have you ever came home and, and, and your wife got her hair up, done and she's all gussied up, guys, and it took you three days to notice? <laughs> not me. I've never done that. Two days, but not three. Uh, uh, and then you're like, and she's finally like, Oh, baby, you got your hair done. That looks great. You got your hair done today. Two days ago, thank you very much. Uh, no kisses for the boy then. Huh? Okay, so it's not that you, you meant to hurt your spouse or what. It's accidental. It's accident. You accidentally offended them, but you didn't mean to. Okay? And then the third one, and here's where I think a lot of us in the body of Christ, we got to grow up and move beyond this. You ready? It's imaginary. Dude, you need to like get your head fixed. It's called renewing your mind. It's called Romans 12 too. See, somewhere in the body of Christ, we think the world revolves around us. And what you fail to realize, maybe when someone came in and they didn't say hi to you, maybe you didn't realize that they had ten things on their mind. One of them was they just came back from a hospital visit where someone's terminally ill. So please forgive them if they didn't stop what was consuming them and go, Oh, hi, how are you doing? But you know what? You don't know that. And so you chalk up judgment. They're rude. They don't talk to me. They never. Well, you know what? It works both ways. And you got to remember, guys, we have 600 of you. You just have us two. Is this all right? Is this okay? I'm venting a little bit. You still love me? All right, moving right along. Is that all right? Number three, you remember the third one? Discouragement. Discouragement. And this is where we ended last week. And the way you overcome discouragement, Shelly hit on it today. Rehearse your victories. Boy, I don't know about you. When she was reading those, didn't something happen on the inside of you? There's this thing that began to build on the inside. I just began to think, if God will do it for them, he'll do it for me. Huh? If God will heal Jimmy, huh? he'll heal me. If God will help them get out of debt, he'll help me. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Huh? So you got to begin to rehearse those victories. And then rest. Remember when fatigue walks in, faith walks out. When fatigue walks in, faith walks out. Get some rest. Never make major life decisions when you're tired. Amen? And then let her see. 
reach out to an, an encourager. Call someone. Ask them. Call an exhorter and say, man, I'm down. G- give me a word. Give me a verse. Just one verse. Give me a, give me a verse from God. What, what did you last read that, that spoke to you? Tell me about it. And just reach out to someone to speak words of life into you. Amen? Number four, disillusionment. Disillusionment. Now, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this, but you know what? This is what got Judas. This is what got Judas. This is sometimes what gives, gets sometimes people in church. Um, you, you, you come to church, and we, Shelly and I, when we meet with all our staff, we both go over, uh, we have what we call our 10 pet peeves. We've learned over the years, hey, this is where we notice we've had glitches. And so we meet with them and go, hey, here are 10 pet peeves. Here are 10 things to never do. Okay, with, with me. And Shelly does the same thing. And, and sometimes what happens is you get disillusioned. You come to church and you just think, wow, God is here. Well, this is called the work of the ministry, right? Okay, that work differs. Roles are different, okay? And, and so people have this mindset and this idea of what's going to happen when they come. Like they open the door to come to work. They get this idea that a glow is going to come out the doors and the angels go, hallelujah. And they don't. You know what? There's phones to answer and letters to write and, 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 and things to do and clean the baptism tank and vacuum the carpet and, and, and think and dream and plan and scheme and, oh, and get frustrated and computers go down. Do you know sometimes computers go down even in the church? Did you all notice the commercials? We didn't have the new one, The Voice. It was ready to go, but we had a computer crash at church. Can you believe it? I mean, you would think the anointing of God would keep that, 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 that graphics card working in perfect order. Right? Stuff breaks down. Okay? Just like any, we recently changed all the tires on the vans and a lot of our kids getting ready to go to camp. Right? To keep them safe. We don't go, oh God, we ask you to extend the bare tread on this. <laughs> no! Are you kidding me? Our most precious possession is in that van. Huh? We're going to make sure we're changing the oil. We'll do, we're doing everything within that we possibly can to make sure that is safe. Amen. We have a safety driving course that our insurance requires all our drivers to go through. So we do not leave it up to chance and, oh, we're praying. Uh, I mean, we do pray, but we do our due diligence on our part too. So, but people get disillusioned. People get disillusioned or they think, wow, you know, I'm going to be the pastor's best friend. And they realize, wow, the pastor's my boss. Wow, the pastor got after me because he didn't like the way I did that. Talk to me. Y'all are, come on, you're, you're bailing on me now. Help me. Are you with me? Huh? And sometimes they don't, how, how do I deal with that? This is the pastor who sends up there and preaches the word and he scolded me. Well, that's because I'm not just your pastor. You also work for me. And you did something that displeased me. And just like any boss, they're going to share that with you. Appreciate you. Y'all want a job? Okay. So listen, this is what happened to Judas. Here's what you got to realize about Judas. Judas was not a bad guy. Judas was not a bad guy. You got to remember, in the midst of all the miracles going on, Judas is laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. Just like Peter, James, and John, and Thomas, and all the others. Okay? But what happened, he got disillusioned. And I think he got caught up in, you know, Jesus was going to come and establish an earthly kingdom, overthrow Roman rule. And when he saw that that didn't fit his picture, 
of what he thought his leaders should do. He didn't get the kingdom. He, he didn't understand, oh, this kingdom comes into our hearts. It, you know, and, and I think it, it, it messed with him and it consumed him. And man, he got disillusioned and man, it threw him into a, a tailspin. And so when you get disillusioned, your focus gets foggy, your perspective is complicated. And you know what? Here's what happens when you get disillusioned. I'm talking about it from a ministry trans, uh, uh, point of view. But in any year of your life, what happens is when you get disillusioned, you start settling and negotiating with mediocrity. You start settling and negotiating with mediocrity. And you give up on growth. You give up on change. You give up on moving forward. Because you get disillusioned. What's it matter? Doesn't matter what I do. I'm, I'm, if I do and I'm, if I don't, catch 22. Disillusionment. Number five, is this okay? Disappointment. Disappointment. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. The literal text reads, repetitive disappointment makes the heart sick. Repetitive disappointment makes the heart sick. And we all know, if your heart is sick, how many know you can't bring forth the things of God because the quality of our life is determined by what's in our hearts. So if your heart is sick, you're not going to bring forth. And so repetitive disappointment makes your heart sick and you don't bring forth the things that God has for you. Now, I already hit on this some, but I want you to know right now, if you're going to be in any position of leadership or influence, if you're going to serve in any capacity, whether it's the church or in a volunteer organization, if you're going to serve anyhow, anywhere, and, and, I, and I hit on it, I've kind of vented my disappointments tonight, but you need to realize this right here. People will disappoint you. People will disappoint you. I'm here to tell you, if you've been coming to CFC, we will disappoint you. Somewhere, somehow, we won't do it on purpose. It won't be our motive. But you know what? We're human. Okay? And so pe people will disappoint you. And listen, you need to know people will abandon you. They will let you down. They will lie to you. They will lie about you. Hmm? And they won't always be there when you need them. That's reality. However, if you allow that to fester, what's going to happen is you get hurt, you become isolated, and you begin to withdraw into a corner. And what happens is you, start, you stop helping others or receiving help from others. You get cynical about people. And listen, been there, done that. Shelly and I went through a, a, a phase several years ago where, where we, we felt hurt and, and betrayed by staff and people we thought that were loyal. And we just thought, you know what, we're just going to keep talking. You know what, that lasted for about a week. And you, you can't live that way. I said, you can't live that way. So in the midst of the disappointment, you, you, you have to rise above it. Okay, You can't allow that to ferment. Because if you do, disappointment turns into silent anger. And listen, here's what you need to realize about anger. There's nothing wrong. With being angry. Jesus got angry. Do you remember that? In fact he got so angry. The Bible says he went into the temple. And he overthrew all the money changers. Shelley did a study on this about 10 years ago. And we get this idea that he came in. There were a couple tables there. And he just kind of went. Frunk, frunk, ah, don't do that. My house shall be called a house of prayer. 
Shelley did some research and study on that. And do you know that scholars say, you got to remember this was the temple. And this portico where they were, where they received people's offerings. And what they would do when they came in is they would, co- they would come in and say they would come in with, with a lamb that was, that was uh, acceptable. And what they would do is they would do a, a guilt trip and say, you know what? You're going to offer God this? Are you serious? For your family of five? Really? Really? Well, you know what? Okay, if, if that's what you want to do. But we got this nice big ram right here. That would probably be a better. See, okay? And so what they would do is they would, they would do a barter and go, okay, well, we'll take this, but you still owe more for this big ram because, you know, compare this big ram to your, you know, little dinky sheep here. So we'll take this sheep off your hands. And, and then they would extract money to give them a big ram. And then this person would not try to, you know, feel not as guilty because they're bringing a better offering. And then what they do is this sacrifice was totally acceptable. Then they would sell it also. And it was a racket. So this is what's going on. So Jesus comes in, and that's what he sees. Are you with me now? Do you see his rage? Huh? And so here are these people, and you got to understand, this family probably scraped, and this was their absolute best. The majority of people, that was their best. And so they had scraped, they had sacrificed, they had done everything they could to just get that. And they come in saying, still not good enough. Oh, Jesus comes in and he just, oh, you know what? you you got to be kidding me. And he comes in and he begins to turn over the money changers. And Shelley did a study on this and say that scholars say that that could have taken him anywhere to an hour or more. Think about it, an hour. Because you got to remember, all of, all of Israel is coming to Jerusalem to do this. It was the annual pilgrimage. So all of them are coming in. So the place has to be massive to allow. Okay? Now, here's another thing that makes sense. No wonder the disciples thought of the verse. Remember the verse they, oh, this this is in fulfillment of this verse. Zeal for my father's house has consumed me. Turning over a couple tables isn't consuming. You do that for an hour, he's consumed. Are you with me? Zeal or passion for my father's house has consumed me. One, one gospel says he took a whip and forged a whip. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall then? This is Jesus. This is our Savior. This is the one who said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And he's forging a whip. And he's driving. He's not hitting anybody with it. Okay? He's not flogging the people. I want to make that clear. Okay? Pastor, can you come bail me out? What happened? This brother made me mad. He was being religious. I made a whip and I flogged him just like Jesus. (laughs) Jesus did not hit the people. He was driving the animals out with the crack of the whip. He's driving the animals out and and causing them to run off and ruining their profit and tipping tipping over all the money tables. Okay, Zeal for his father's house consumed me. And so we see Jesus... He had anger, but it was directed in a godly way. Amen? He didn't kill the animals. He didn't kill or hurt anybody else physically. Okay? And so the Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. So there's nothing wrong with being angry, but you know what? you got to keep that anger from coming out your mouth and doing or being or saying something hateful. Amen? And remember, the Bible says that anger does not fulfill the righteousness of God. 
you got to remember that Moses got angry. Remember he got angry with the people? And the first time God told him to strike the rock and water came out. Well, the second time uh, they needed water, God told Moses to speak to the rock. But the people had been so frustrating to him, he took the staff and he struck it. And because of that, he wasn't able to lead them into the promised land. Joshua did it. And so you got to remember, anger never changes a situation or reverses the past. It never changes a situation or reverses the past. Okay? So here's what you got to do. you got to rise above it. You're going to be disappointed. People are going to let you down. They're going to lie to you, and they're going to lie about you. And you know what? There's not a whole lot you can do about that. But you can control your response to that and rise above it. And you know what I've discovered? The best form of revenge, fulfill God's plan for your life. Just walk in the abundance of Jesus. Hmm? Because here they are secretly wanting to see you fail, seeing you secretly wanting to just, just overcome it. Just rise above it. Don't give in. Don't cave in. Rise above it. You want to know how to rise above it? Here's what you got to do. Remember everyone who has come through for you time and time again. Again, it goes back to a focus issue, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing? And listen, I'll never forget. I had someone write me this mean, berating, hateful letter. I remember, Hector, when we first started FPU. And Hector took the class. God did something in his heart, and he started leading it ever since. We first did FPU. We were the first church to bring FPU to San Angelo. And I took out a big ad. It was half a page. You remember like the, the, the thrifty, not the thrifty nickel, but it was like the money clip. It was kind of like that, but uh, what did it used to be called? It was called something else. Huh? Penny saver. Yeah. And so you could do big ads. And so we took up half a page. FPU, and at that time, the kit was $85. It was on cassette tapes. That tells you how long ago this was. Okay, they didn't have CDs, cassettes, okay? And we advertised at $85. I, I cannot tell you how many hateful phone calls we got. And we advertised it and said, hey, you can get out of debt. We want to help you, just like we do now. You've seen the commercials, and people call. I can't believe you're talking about money. You're doing a money class in the church, in the church. Talking about budgeting, getting out of debt in the church. Okay. Not just one phone call. Several. And then, and you're charging money for it. You're a money, you're like the money changers, Jesus, overturn the tables. We're like, we're not ripping people off. This is what he charges. You know, and it's for all these materials that's gonna help people. Oh, you wouldn't believe. Dear friend of ours, Pastor Walt Landers, Tree of Life Church. You remember when, uh, 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 what's, the, what's the booby place called now? Sorry, I said booby in church. Uh, not, is it Maximus? It was Infinity and then Cabaret. What's it called now? <laughs> Who's been there lately and could tell me? Been there, tell, tell me, brother. <laughs> no, you're joking. Your wife's going to go poof. <laughs> he was joking. He was like, oh, yeah, I was there. Uh, is it Maximus? Desiree. Desiree. I'm glad we all didn't know immediately. I would have been concerned. Desiree. Well, before it was called Desiree, it was called Infinity. And around, <laughs> around that time, we have fun at church, don't we? Uh, I mean, where else in church do you get to talk about booby bars? 
but at CFC. And so, uh, anyway, it was called Infinity. And at that time, this was when Buzz Lightyear was, uh, I mean, uh, uh, what was it? What was it? Toy Story was, was huge. Okay, and I think it was Toy Story 2 came out. And, you know, and so you got Buzz Lightyear. What's his, what's his thing? Two and beyond, right? And so one of the staff members, he was uh, Eric Haller, uh, pastors in Austin, actually was on staff with us as our worship leader. Uh, he's in McKinney now. And uh, he had this great idea. And he said, you know what? We've got infinity there. The billboard is available right at infinity. What if we said, you know, in light of Toy Story 2 and Buzz Lightyear, Jesus reaches to infinity and beyond. <laughs> and I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, that, and you know what they would do? They would, they would show up early Sunday morning and pick up trash off the parking lot. Pick up the beer cans from the night before. Talk to the owner who came out and said, we ain't paying you for that. We don't want you to pay us. We just want you to know Jesus reaches to infinity and beyond. We love you. They can't tell you how many hateful phone calls they had from religious people. What are you doing? advertising by that kind of establishment. Now before you shake your head in disbelief, check yourself and some of the mean, hateful things you say. The unkind things you say. And then sometimes I think we wonder why we don't see God's power. Why we don't see great revivals. We still haven't learned to get along, church. We're still bickering about the pastor who didn't say hi to me when I came in. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up. You need to grow up. You need to put on your big boy and girl pants. They do make Depends, you know. <laughs> Put on the Depends and get rid of the pull-up. Is this okay? So, instead of getting mean and mad and bitter, remember everyone who's come through for you. You know what happened today? I got a call from John Church. Now you texts it to me. And I call him back. And I said, hey, what's happening? He goes, hey, I just want you to know I got a surprise for you. And I left it on your desk. I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. I'll give you a hint. It involves pecans. Glory to God. And then I told him about the pecan pie. You know, it wasn't your fault. We followed directions, but it got burnt for Father's Day. And I said, man, that just re- isn't it just like God to redeem a burnt pecan pie? See, so that's why tonight in worship, he loves us. Oh, see, that's why I was worshiping. I'm like, God loves me, man. He gave me an unburnt pecan pie. (laughs) So anyway, but you know what? You know, he had to go out of his way to get it. Do you know he was out of town? Having a medical procedure done. It's potentially life-threatening. 
and when he ought to be consumed with his own health, and rightfully so. He swings through a town that is known for their pecan pies to pick me up alive. That's the people you need to let consume you. Not the people who run your wife down. Not the people who think your kids ought to do this. Not the people, forget them. Forget them. Remember the John churches who go out of your way, their way in the midst of their life challenge just to be a blessing to you. Remember those people. Because I'm here to tell you, there's more of those than the others. There's more of those than the others. Amen? Can we close with one last one? The sixth one? The last one is depression. Depression. Now listen. Most of you may never have to deal with depression. This hits close to home. My wife has dealt with it. I have a dear doctor friend in our church who has had to deal with it. And you know what? Being a word of faith church, we haven't been the most sensitive in dealing with depression. We just kind of tell people, well, you just need to get in the word, brother. Dude, who are you to tell that? You don't even know if they have a chemical imbalance. You don't know if there's a vitamin deficiency. You don't know what's going on with them. Do you know that can lead to, de- to suicide? We lost Greg Estes' little girl to suicide a few years ago. And so, you know what? We, we just can't treat it, you know, just come up here and let's lay hands on you. No, you know, we, we just need to be sensitive, amen? And so I want you to know that although you may never deal with depression, and I'm not talking about, man, today, uh, it's kind of blah today. No, I'm talking about unrelenting, where you don't feel like getting out of bed in the morning. So until you've experienced that, you have no right to be judgmental towards someone else. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their battles are. So, sh- man, it's again, it's amazing how hateful and mean we can be in the body of Christ to each other. To each other, church. To each other. Man, they're lazy. Are they lazy or are they depressed? So until or unless you ever have to deal with that, never make fun of someone who battles this demon. Amen? Never make fun of them. Never put them down. Never just say, you just need to get over it. Okay? And when we joke, we go, oh, take your happy pill. Hey, that's a real deal. But I want to share you something. There is a way out. You do need to know that depression is not all-powerful. He is. Amen? And he can lead you through it. And you know what? He can lead you through it with medication. He can lead you through it without medication. You know what? This ain't about arguing whether you had to be on, on Prozac or not. Or Zoloft or not. Okay? Th- th- that ain't the argument. That's, let's just get through it. I said let's just get through it. We want you alive. 
And so if we need to take that pill and keep you alive and keep you in the game, then thank God for the medication. Amen? And there's no shame and there's no guilt and there's no animosity and there's no judgment in that. And we don't think you have weak faith. Is that okay? All right? Zechariah 9.12, but there is a way out and it's not all powerful. Zechariah 9.12 says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. Now those of you that battle depression, I want you to listen to that again. Zechariah 9.12. Return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, this is God talking to you. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. That's good news, isn't it? And listen, it talks about being a prisoner of hope. And you know what? Many times when you're depressed, you feel like you're a, dep- a prisoner to the depression. Amen? But listen, I want you to get a picture. Instead of seeing yourself in this prison of depression where you can't get out, I want you to see yourself swapping cells. And you're going to come out. Jesus has the key. He's given you the keys to the kingdom. And we're opening that door. And we're opening this prison of depression. But we're going to enter another prison cell called the prison of hope. And see, hope means earnest expectation. See, the reason depression is so deadly is it kills your hope. It kills your hope. And your hope is your earnest expectation. It's your vision for what God has for the future. And when you're depressed, you don't see that. And so instead of being a prisoner of depression, we're getting out of that jail cell. And we're going to come over here and we're going to lock ourselves up into the prison of hope. And God says, hey, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And so we lock ourselves in the prison of hope and we throw away the key where we can never retrieve it. Because I'm here to tell you, we are never without hope. And when you lock yourself in the prison of hope, depression can't get you. And you got to remember that depression, although it's very real, it's not all powerful. And at the end of the day, listen, and I'm not minimizing this, it's just an emotion. can be based on chemical imbalances and that and whatnot. Do, do full workup. Do what you need to do. But it's an emotion. Amen? It's, it, it's an emotion. It's not all powerful. It's an emotion. And God has a way out. And one of the ways out, again, Shelly hit on this. And she didn't even know what I was preaching on tonight. She hit on it tonight again. I want you to begin to make a list, especially those of you that struggle with depression. I want you to begin to make a list of at least 100 things you're thankful for. Just start writing it down. One, two. And you think, there's no way. Oh, start writing, you won't be able to stop. You'll be, your health, my kids' health, my spouse, my kids, my church, my pastor, my friends. Pecan pie. Pecan pie, pecan pie, pecan pie, pecan. Pecans. Pecan pie filling. And you know what? You begin to write and you begin to think, man, you won't be able to stop. And just begin to rehearse that just like these. Shall they hit on it today? What a great place to end the way we began. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
God, give me strength so I'll have joy. No, the joy gives you strength. So how do I get joy? I begin to think about his goodness. I begin to write down those hundred things, and I, I visit them every day, and I begin to go over all the things that God's done for me and all the ways he's come through for me, and all of a sudden, my perspective begins to change because when we get depressed, we begin to turn inward. And when we begin to write that list, we begin to lift our, our eyes and we begin to lift our vision and we begin to see, okay, wow, you know what? It's not so bad after all. Are you with me? Did you learn something tonight? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here tonight.